You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Flow of thought is this. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's actually the flow of thought. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? He didn't just say, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He interjects another thought in the middle of that. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do you think Jesus actually added that or inserted that little part into the prayer? You know, I thought long and hard about this over the week and just trying to, you know, what, what was that? What was the point behind that? And here's where I landed. We know that God's kingdom, there's this duality about what it is. We know that God's kingdom is here and now, but it's also to come. We haven't fully realized the kingdom of God. Just look around. You can realize that's not the case. But Jesus talked about the kingdom being here, the kingdom being now. So we have this kingdom here, but not yet. In the meantime, we, you and me, have a part to play in expanding God's kingdom here on earth. That was part of God's design, that we have a part in seeing his kingdom expanded. Now, there's one huge problem with that plan. Us. We're the problem. Notice that Jesus didn't pray for our will to be done. Any of you parents raise, or any of you who were parents raised a strong-willed child? (laughs) Can be a little challenging, can't it? It's a true joy and pleasure, isn't it? Very challenging. What, what the parent wants and expects is not always what the child will do, is it? Constant battle of wills. What it feels like from the parent standpoint. So with this idea of strong-willed child in mind, consider this. God has millions of strong-willed children to care for. Children who constantly choose their own way, who want to exert their own will. Children who can be stubborn and demanding. Children who push the limits. And of course, I'm talking about us. More you, but me too. (laughs) About us. We're that way, aren't we? We are. We're that way. We're constantly trying God's patience. But you know what's amazing? He never gives up on us, does he? Never gives up on us. He keeps loving us, pursuing us, forgiving us, directing us, and correcting us when needed. He's constantly engaged with us in our life. That's why Jesus prayed, may your kingdom come, your will be done. Because he realized our propensity, our tendency was to seek our own purpose, our own will. So over the next few weeks, we're going to explore what it means for God's will to be done through our lives as kingdom citizens. Do you want me to hold her again? She was great with me. (laughs) I thought maybe I had the touch or something, so I don't know. (laughs) So there's another problem with us helping expand God's kingdom here on earth. So the first one is us. The second one is this. We're not Jesus. I mean, it's one thing to watch Jesus do what he did and think, ah, but that's Jesus. That's the son of God. How can we even compare ourselves? 
Fortunately, Jesus also recognized this, and he had a plan. He didn't intend to leave us on our own. John 14 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and, hear this, and will be in you. In you. And later on in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is after the resurrection. But on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, even then, even then, after his resurrection, still thinking about his kingdom being a political entity. Even then. And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then later on in Acts chapter 2, we see this. And I'm actually, we're going to read this verse together if I could have that. Let's read this all together. Verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And as we've uh, looking at this, the idea of the Holy Spirit and the day when the Holy Spirit came, um, the, the, the power that was given to us. And it wasn't just an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but it has great relevance for us today. Uh, so Lord, in the next few minutes, as we continue unwrapping this idea of the Holy Spirit, uh, not the idea, the reality of the Holy Spirit, uh, Father, may uh, you speak to each of us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyone know what today is besides, obviously, Dedication Day or May 23rd? There's another significance to today. Pentecost Sunday. There may have been other things out there, too, but it's Pentecost Sunday. So today is the day that we remember what happened 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2. On this day, almost 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit came. And on that day... Everything changed. Now, again, we had talked about this a couple weeks ago. Actually, probably a couple months ago. We had a series on the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we learned then during that time is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's been around since forever. Part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is there. But we saw, in the Old Testament in particular, we see the Holy Spirit in certain instances. Came upon a certain individual to accomplish a certain task. We see this very frequently, even the wording of that, with some of the judges, like Samson and some of the other judges and Gideon, where the Holy Spirit came on them, or the Spirit of God came on them and empowered them to do what they needed to do. 
But see, that was just it. That was the issue there. They were situational, sometimes isolated instances for a few people. But we, the, the Holy Spirit was there and present. From the day of Pentecost on, the Spirit of God was available to all of us at all times. In fact, those of us who know Jesus as Lord, we're told that the Holy Spirit lives within us. We have the Spirit of God within us, within us at all times. When, when the Holy Spirit lives within us, it's impossible to remain the same. It's impossible to remain the same. There is power available to all Christ followers through the fullness of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to effectively live as kingdom citizens. And as kingdom citizens, we have access to kingdom power. Now, it'd be easy to dismiss the works of Jesus because of his divinity. In other words, yeah, I mean, he did some really great things, but he also is the son of God, right? I mean, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of his thing. We really wouldn't say that would be something that we would be able to do. But it's important to remember that, yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. Now, this is one of those areas in, in, uh, in our theological conversations where we discover our language is limited. Uh, what I mean by that is we can actually define it. What we can't do is use language words to describe it. Because our language is just limited. We don't, we don't have that understanding to be able to actually um, uh, to describe it. <clears throat> Jesus was fully God but he also voluntarily surrendered his divine power as God so that he could be fully man. He was fully God and fully man. And while he was on earth, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out his ministry. We know that, that that Matthew chapter four and Luke chapter four, the Holy Spirit led Jesus from place to place. Um, And so we see that throughout the Jesus ministry. And as Jesus carried out his ministry, there was an expectation his followers would do supernatural works by the power of the Holy Spirit, just as he did. So yes, he was the son of God, but he was also a man, a man who was led by the Spirit. And there's also an expectation that those who followed him would live similar lives. In fact, in John 14, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. See, Jesus knew his disciples couldn't do it on their own. He knew that they would be incapable of carrying this on without some assistance or help. So he directed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which would empower them to live as kingdom citizens. And that's just what they did. And that's what we read about here just a bit ago in Acts chapter 2. When, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and their lives were radically transformed in a moment's time. In the moment, their lives were transformed. For the rest of their lives, the disciples experienced a new dimension of the power of God, not like anything they'd ever seen before. And as a result, they told everyone they knew about Jesus. I mean, it'd be like winning... Honestly, like winning the lottery, except you don't want to tell people about that because then they all come into you asking for loans or for gifts, aren't they? So scratch that analogy, but it's, it's like you have really, really good news and you want to share it. You want to tell people and that's what happened. And the church was born. And in the book of Acts, we see that they lived life in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
time after time, instance after instance, we see the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, I think I mentioned um, earlier that, you know, I'd, with our deck, I'd finished removing all the old deck boards by late Thursday afternoon, and that Len stopped by to then to see the condition of the structure. Now that everything was off, he could see what was going on underneath it. Um, and fortunately, the joists were in reasonably good condition. Uh, a couple of question marks and a couple of them, but more. But we would be fine. There really wasn't a concern there. I noticed that a support for a couple of the joists had actually been broken, and so we would need to fix that. Um, but Len also pointed out, said, you have a bigger problem here. Um, he said that there should have been a support beam across the middle because of the length. You should have had a support beam to actually support um, what was there, and they didn't. And the middle of your deck is actually about an inch and a half, to get that right, about an inch and a half lower than what it is. It's sagging in the middle. And um, we need to fix that. Now, you need to know this. Before Len offered to come help me, I've been watching YouTube videos about how to fix, how to replace your deck. Um, I learned an awful lot. There's a lot of stuff that I had no idea about, different tools and different ways to approach it. None of those videos talked about sagging frames. I would have put new boards on that old frame as is, and it, w- it would have really gone on because the new stuff is actually more flexible. It would have conformed, but I would have had a sagging. It would have been sagged in the middle. But because of years of experience, years of know-how, years of probably making mistakes and learning from mistakes and fixing it or fixing other people's mistakes, Len knew what to look for. So when he was looking at I was looking at the joists because that was for me the obvious thing. Len was looking at a few other things and what were the supports? How were the, how were the different things? What was the structure sitting on? How was that going to look? And was this going to last? Um, was this safe? And was it going to continue moving forward? But not only did Len know what to look for, he knew how to fix the problem. So there's a few other, uh, a few other times over the, the Friday and Saturday where Len said, you know, I think we should do this, or I think we should do that. How many times do you think I listened to Len's suggestion? Every time. I mean, it wasn't even, really? Are you sure? No. You think this? Okay, we're doing this. Um, It would have been foolish for me to not take Len's advice, wouldn't it? It really would. It would have been really dumb for someone who has this experience and knowledge and the ability to actually do something for me not to accept and not to follow his advice. So why is it that we try to live our lives outside the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit? Time and again, Jesus emphasized the importance of living in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew the Holy Spirit has wisdom and power they didn't have. And the same is true for us today as well. The promise and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the power he brings is for everyone who is saved. Everyone who calls Jesus Lord. In Acts 2, Peter is talking to the crowd and he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. For all of you, for everyone. And it wasn't just for that day, it was for all time. 
The fullness of the Holy Spirit is available today for all who are willing to surrender their life to Jesus. Acknowledge you need help. Acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of your life. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is available when you surrender your life to Jesus, but also to ask. Ask for help. Ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you. I love what Luke says in chapter 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I mean, Jesus says, ask for help from the Holy Spirit. And that, the only, the, what's left then is just to receive. Accept and receive what the Holy Spirit will do. So yesterday morning, you know, we, we, I knew, we knew we were going to finish yesterday, but just a little bit after 8 o'clock, Len's there, and uh, just getting going. And I asked him, I said, you know, what time do you think we're going to finish? Just trying to plan the rest of the day and get an understanding of my mind. And he kind of looks around. Hmm. <laughs> I, if I heard him correctly, I heard him kind of like mumble. I said, I kind of overestimate these or underestimate the time. Period. So, uh, about 2 o'clock. Okay, all right, so about six hours. Um, when the last screw went into the deck, I looked at my phone. Guess what time it was? 1.56. Four minutes off. You can get better. But seriously, with all the variables that can come into a project like that, kind of... Uh, you know, flip a coin. Okay, about that time. And come. First time I ever got it. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I, I thought it was amazing. I was impressed uh, and, and amazed. But that's what skill and experience can do, can't it? I mean, I would have looked at that and said, I have no clue. I don't know if I'm looking at two hours or 24 hours. I just, I have no way of gauging that because I, have, I don't have the skill. I don't have the experience. I literally don't know what I'm doing at this point in time. But for all of his skill and talent and his significant, Len is just watching YouTube videos when compared to what the Holy Spirit can do in your life and in my life. That's how much more we have available to us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to live out the provision of Christ through salvation and live out the power of Christ and effective ministry as kingdom citizens. Let's pray. Father, again, just very grateful for, um, for this day. I just, I love, I love hearing the voices of the children and uh, I know their parents probably aren't really excited by that, but uh, Lord, it's just, it's a sign of life. And life is not always neat and clean. Life can be messy sometimes and it can be noisy and it can be problematic and frustrating and irritating. And Lord, some of us, if we're around long enough, we also know that life can be very painful. Life can be incredibly hard. Life can be overwhelming. But Lord, uh, we don't go through life alone. We don't need to. You've given us a comforter. You've given us support. You've given us help in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So, Father, my prayer is that this day, that if there's anyone here who's hearing my voice, who's struggling, they feel as if they're alone. They feel as if no one knows what they're going through. They feel as if no one can understand. God, right now in this moment, may they sense your spirit. Holy Spirit, have freedom this morning to speak to each of us. Bring hope where hope is needed. Bring comfort where comfort is needed. Father, may all of us have this joy of maybe not the circumstances that we're in per se, but joy knowing that you are involved in our life. So Father, again, may your spirit comfort each of us this day. In whatever way we need comfort, whatever that looks like. May we recognize the eyes, the lies of the enemy and trying to convince us that we're by ourselves, we're alone. We can't do it. There's no hope. There's no way forward. Father, with you, we know that there's always hope. There's always a way forward. We cling to that this day. So God, again, just continue to put our hope and faith in you. And if for any who might be struggling with that this day, may they just take that step that first step of saying, God, I need you. I need you today. Holy Spirit, I need you right now. And Father, in that moment, may you reach out to them and touch them. Give them that word of wisdom. Give them that knowledge, that understanding, that hope, that confidence, that assurance that you're with them. Fathers, in Jesus' name, I pray all these things. So this week, my prayer for each of you is that you would encounter God and encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in ways you've never encountered before. It may just be the way you're going through your work and, you know, somebody comes to mind and you call them and text them and just reach out and say, hey, what's, what's going on in your life? And see what God does. Maybe it's someone, at a neighbor or I don't know. But let's keep our antennas up and see what God might want to do. And quite often, it's usually the case, it's, some, it's, 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 it's often the people who have the biggest smiles on their face and they seem like everything's the best are sometimes the ones that are having the hardest time. They've just learned to hide it really well. So let's, let's be on the lookout for those moments when the Holy Spirit prompts us to reach out and to be able to be that strength and support to someone else. And if you're needing that touch, if you're struggling today, I... I'd love the chance to pray with you after we're done here. I'm going to give the benediction in a second and just have a chance to connect and pray with you uh, just to see that the Holy Spirit would comfort you this day. Amen? Let's stand for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.